Welcome to the Burn Your Mortgage Podcast, a Canadian real estate podcast that shows you how to pay off your mortgage sooner and live well while doing it. Now, here's your host, Sean Cooper. Welcome to the Burn Your Mortgage Podcast. I'm Sean Cooper, and it's great to be back for another episode. On today's show, I'll be talking to Christopher Besson. Christopher Besson started his mortgage career in 1999. After 15 years in the mortgage industry, Chris went back to school and was able to realize his desire to obtain an MBA. He led a small group of classmates through a research project on the appraisal management industry in North America, which was based on his experience in the mortgage industry. The research was the genesis for Value Connect, a new appraisal management solution where he's devoting 100% of his time to change the industry for the betterment of loan originators, appraisers, and the users of reports. In my interview with Chris, we discuss when do lenders require an appraisal, how the appraisal process has changed since COVID-19 started, and tips for homeowners to ensure the appraisal process goes smoothly. Without further ado, here's my interview with Christopher Bisson. Hi, Chris. How are you doing today? Sean, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to have you on the podcast. I definitely wanted to have somebody who's knowledgeable about appraisals and you're the first person that came to mind. You reached out to me a few months ago, so it's great to finally have you on the podcast and I'm excited to be speaking with you today. Thanks. I'm excited to be able to help out. Perfect. Well, let's get started. But before we jump into everything, I've reached out to you a few months ago about having you on the podcast, but unfortunately you said that your son was dealing with some issues and I'm glad to hear that he's doing better. Oh yeah, gosh, he, he's 16. He got his motorcycle license. I had uh, motorcycles my whole life, dirt bikes. And of course I couldn't say no. And he had a terrible, terrible motorcycle accident in August. He was essentially- Oh my gosh, I'm sorry to hear. Yeah, he, he was essentially dead at the scene. And thank goodness there was an off-duty paramedic and a retired nurse different cars at the intersection he had his accident at and they brought him back to life. The off-duty paramedic told the on-duty guys through the, his cell phone what they needed to bring and that they needed to get my boy to Hamilton uh, to the general hospital there. They have an a, acute brain injury ICU. And so they got him there. He had about 15 hours of operations and a 24-hour stretch, and I'm really, really glad to let you know that uh, he started back at school. He's in high school just a week and a half ago. So everyone that we speak with says that this was a bit of a miracle that he's doing as well as he's doing. He can walk without a cane from having, you know, having a totally broken leg and broken feet to where he is today. So the young guy can still beat me at chess. So <laughs> I know I know he's still got pretty much everything upstairs. Just it's going to take him a little bit of time to get his short-term memory back, but uh, we're just thrilled. So thanks thanks for asking and yeah, we we look forward to seeing him 100% in the next uh, few months. 
No, that's great to hear. And it's wonderful to hear something positive in 2020 because it's definitely been a tough year for everybody, but I'm so glad to hear that your son is doing well and definitely keep us posted on that. All right, for sure, man. You got it. Great. Well, let's jump into the fun appraisal stuff then. My first question <laughs> for you is that try your best to make appraisals interesting and, and exciting and all that. I, I do my best with mortgages, but good luck with appraisals. But uh, <laughs> and anyhow, just kind of an open question for you. What is an appraisal and when do lenders require an appraisal and not require one? Because sometimes a lender needs a full appraisal. Sometimes they need like an AVM Maybe you can just explain the AVM and what that stands for. But uh, yeah, just be interested to start it off with that question. Sure. Well, if like if I start from the very beginning of that line of questions, and I'm trying, to, I'm going to try to make this sound sexy at some point, but it's hard, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> but but a home appraisal is essentially an independent professional opinion of market value as of a specific date. And there's different sources of appraisals. So you can get an appraisal from a company that specializes in an automated valuation model. That's what AVM stands for. Or you can get it from a a company or a person who is a professional appraiser who will go out to the house, go through the house, and then uh, do some research and provide you with a, a report that the lender will use in order to ensure that the value is where they thought it was going to be and that there is nothing negative about the house. So lenders essentially, they need an appraisal report. Well, for a few reasons, um, sometimes they need it because, you know, the you've probably handled the five C's of credit or the five C's of lending on your podcast in the past. Yes. Definitely. Um, yeah. So when there's a deficiency with any of the ones that are not the collateral. So if there's a challenge with credit or with demonstrating like capacity or like income history or character, if there's a deficiency there, then there's a a greater likelihood that a full appraisal report would be needed. But the stronger those other C's of credit are, the less likely you need an appraisal report. Essentially, uh, the, the differences between the different types So an AVM, as I mentioned, is like essentially a computer-generated valuation that a lender will rely on. And they'll often use those when the loan-to-value ratio or the the size of the mortgage in relation to the estimated value of the house is maybe low enough that the lender feels comfortable with a margin of error of maybe 10%, plus or minus. The higher that or bigger that loan gets proportionate to the estimated value of the house, the more likely they're going to have somebody go through the property to get as accurate a value as possible. But sometimes, you know, there's an area somewhere in between there where the lender might say, well, you know what, we don't want an AVM. We want to get it a little, we want to know that the range is a little tighter than what we might get from uh, an AVM. So we're going to have an appraiser do either a desktop, which means they're doing the full report, but at their desk. So they don't go to the house, but they do all the research in an office and then supply the report. They give you a range. They might do a drive-by, which means they actually drive by the house to make sure there's a house there and it's not falling over. And the, the range there will be a little tighter. Or they'll send the appraiser to the house. I think most appraisers would say that the value that you get when someone goes to the home and does a full inspection will be the most accurate. And then as you go down from that to drive by to desktop to AVM, the accuracy goes down. 
essentially they an appraisal is needed to ensure that the value is is sufficient to uh, to let the lender make a loan on that property, make a mortgage on that property. Does that Great. answer your question? Is that good? Yes, it does. Thank, thanks so much for being so thorough. And maybe you could just explain the difference between a home inspection and an appraisal and when both of those take place in the home buying process, because sometimes people get those two mixed up, home inspections and appraisals. Oh my gosh, they, that gets mixed up all the time, Sean. It's I'm actually quite surprised at how often it does, but a home inspection is done by a home inspector. They go to the home and they're doing a mechanical assessment of the property. So if you're buying a property and you want to make sure the furnace is going to still be working in six months or that it's, it's not on its last legs, that's why you have a home inspector go through the home. They'll also crawl into or do a visual inspection inside the attic on top of the roof. They'll look at a, a bunch of other things. And that, that will give you as a homeowner a sense of whether or not you're walking into very low maintenance, medium type maintenance or high maintenance situation where you may have to change a lot of things. An appraiser is providing you with, or the lender with, depending on the situation, the estimated market value for a specific purpose, uh, either financing, it can be for divorce purposes, it can be for a, a number of reasons why they're doing the appraisal. But at the end of the day, they're giving you a value. The home inspector doesn't do that. Great. Thanks so much for clarifying that. Now, COVID has changed a lot of things today, including people's work arrangement, but it's also changed appraisals too. So could you explain, Chris, how has the appraisal process changed since COVID-19 started? And you can talk about how things were in March and April at the beginning, all the way up until now. And as well as if you could talk about how things have changed or not changed in the second wave as well. Sure. Yeah. Great question. The industry um, has been undergoing a lot of change over the last few years and COVID helped accelerate uh, a few things, but one of the things it certainly did was accelerate uh, the need for being able to rely when, when needed on the homeowner to help out in the process. So when COVID first struck, everybody was worried, right? Nobody wanted to come into contact with other people. They didn't know if they, like if a face mask and rubber gloves would, would protect them or not. Initially, what happened was appraisers just decided to not go into homes and they, they were strongly encouraged by their associations to not go into properties. What they ended up uh, doing was they would either do FaceTime or some type of video chat with the homeowner. They would have the homeowner take pictures. They would have listing agents supply pictures of the inside of the house. They would go to the house and they would take pictures of the exterior. They would look through the windows just to confirm the pictures that they were getting matched up with the pictures that or you know what they saw through the windows and then they would do the report so working with appraisers across the country we came up with something called the modified full inspection report which is just a, a modified full appraisal that's what they started doing as people and the you know became more comfortable and as summer kind of wore on the the heat kind of it got warmer and warmer it, it wasn't the flu season anymore and so appraisers the pendulum swung the other way and all the appraisers started going back into homes. Mind you, they were wearing rubber gloves in most cases. They, a lot of them wear uh, a mask as well as a face shield of some sort. 
Some of them just wear masks. They practice social distancing. They request that all the lights be turned on and every door in the property be left open inside and out so they could just walk through without touching anything and take pictures everywhere. That's what happened. That's where we say we are right now in most of the country. And what I see, or one thing that I do know, Sean, is that appraisers really didn't like relying on the homeowner to give them pictures. It, in many cases, it ended up being a bit of a gong show. That's just because there's a, there's a big segment of the population, believe it or not, that are not good at taking pictures or the pictures were too big iPhones and you know all the cameras now take pictures that are three megabytes big and to, to shove all those into an appraisal report takes too much space. They want a report that's only about 10 megabytes big by the time they transfer it to the lenders. It created a lot of challenges for appraisers, believe it or not. They ended up spending more time doing those reports where the homeowner sent them the pictures than it would take just to go to the house, take the pictures and go back to their office and finish the report. Wow. Yeah, they prefer to go in and they, they prefer it for that reason. They also prefer it because they know that if they go, they'll see everything, the good, the bad, the ugly. If a homeowner or a real estate agent is taking pictures of the property, they would normally, it's human nature, just try to show it in the best light. So they may avoid taking pictures of the stain on the rug or the stain on the ceiling. Appraisers prefer to go. And so right now with this second wave coming, I do see some appraisers saying they don't want to go in, but by and large, they prefer it and they continue to go in. What they've learned is that they just need to suit up, wear protective gear and make sure that they're not touching door handles and light switches so that they don't touch anything that might have the virus on it. So that's it in a nutshell. That's what's happening. That's great to hear. I mean, hopefully things get back to normal and when the vaccine's here, but you know, better safe than sorry until that time arrives. And I'm just curious quickly in terms of condos, how did that all work in the, like when COVID first started as well as now, like I'm just curious about what a modified appraisal would look like for a condo. It's not like you can look inside a unit unless you get a ladder that's (laughs) like 50 feet tall. Like maybe you could just explain (laughs) condos and how that all worked. Well, that's a great, that's a really great question. And it didn't work so well, right? They'd have to go to to the condo if they wanted to just peer inside. The homeowner would just have to open the door to the unit. They'd have a look from the hallway and that would be it. That's as good as it could get. And the rest of it, they'd have to get the pictures and or do video chat with the homeowner or the listing agent. It's a good point. You could, you certainly can't do that in a 50 story building, right? Yeah, it doesn't sound like the modified appraisal works so well for condos. So glad to hear that everyone knows a bit more about the virus and and people are being safe now. But uh, yeah, definitely sounds like a challenge with condos. That's for sure. Yeah, you got it. Great. You sent me a pretty funny picture here about how your home is seen by, first of all, you, the lender, the tax assessor, as well as the appraiser. Uh, So that kind of leads perfectly into... My next question for you is what tips do you have for homeowners to ensure the appraisal goes smoothly, keeping, keeping in mind how the appraiser sees your property? <laughs> yeah, so that the diagram, just to give people an example, essentially shows like the, the tax assessment office, they see your house as a castle because they wanted to assess as high as possible to get the highest, so the city gets the highest tax uh, taxes out of it. And you uh, see it as a really nice place 
and your your appraiser sees it as a tent <laughs> but that that's not actually the case that's just what this little graphic depicts yeah i think by and large one thing people need to know is that appraisers don't want to kill your deal you know they want your they they just want to do a good job they're professionals they want to do what's right uh, tips for homeowners to ensure things go smoothly first i put a note here just cooperate for example these men and women, they want to see their families after work and on the weekends too. So it's important to remember they'll want to see your property during the regular work week. And they know that, you know, every once in a while, just it, it doesn't work out. Oftentimes they'll make some exceptions to those rules, but I just think cooperating is a, is a good start. So if they need to see behind a door, make sure the door gets unlocked so that they can do that. The other thing that I suggest to people is to let the appraiser do their thing. Like just let them do their thing. Don't talk them up too much because you don't want to distract them. And when they ask you a question, answer truthfully. Another thing that I recommend is if there's an obvious stain in the ceiling, for example, and you fix the source of the problem, make sure you tell them and show them what was repaired. If you've got receipts, show them the receipts if you paid somebody to do the repair. So those are just a, a couple of simple tips. I'll tell you, appraisers don't care if you changed added shutoff valves uh, by all the um, the different plumbing fixtures in the in the property. If when you bought it, it didn't have them. If that costs you five thousand dollars, it doesn't add any value to the home. Wait for the appraiser to ask you a question. If there's something that looks obviously bad that you know has been fixed, make sure they know that it's the source of the problem has been fixed. Those are the, the biggest things that I can point out. Great points. And a couple things I wanted to touch on as well. This is mostly for people that are renewing their mortgage and moving to another lender or they're refinancing their properties. So if they want the appraisal to go well, would you recommend that they tidy up their property? I mean, I would think that it would not be so helpful for the appraiser if they come into a house where everything's a mess at that point in time. Yeah, it, as much as every appraiser will tell you that their job is to look beyond the dirty dishes in the sink and on the counter and the, the rug that hasn't been vacuumed or the yard that's you know full of garbage and not being cared for, at the end of the day, it, it's human nature, number one, you can't help but dislike something right? that's not appealing, right? So I always recommend if you're going to have the house appraised, go through it, go through the outside, clean it up, have some pride of ownership. If you're looking for a top dollar on your appraised value, you need to present it that way. There's a difference between, we'll say a Lexus dealership and a, we'll call a regular dealership, a regular Toyota dealership. Oftentimes, I know you can get those two cars at the same dealership, but uh, you, you understand what I mean, right? Like there's Cadillac and there's Chevette or Chevy, like you, you want to present the Cadillac if you want the Cadillac value. So I agree. clean the house. My goodness. It's not for, for the amount of work that you have to do for like, if it costs you six hours of your time and you got an extra $20,000 worth of value. I'm not saying that that's the a number in general, but you get what I mean, right? Like if your value goes up by about that much simply because it shows great, that's a good re return on your, uh, your time. So yeah, 100%, including the outside. When somebody drives up, they see the outside. If it's well cared for, the lawn is clear, it's been mowed, everything looks nice, 
edged, you, you can bet that it puts people in a different frame of mind than something that hasn't been cared for. That's a great point. So I guess you should have the same mentality as if you're selling your property, just have the best curb appeal and the best look overall, rather than if you were selling your property and you had a sink full of dirty dishes and the, the lawn was overgrown. I definitely don't think you'd get top dollar. So it sounds like the same thing applies for appraisals. Yeah, it's just like, listen, you want to sell your car, you're going to, whether you sell it to the dealership or you're selling it to somebody else, you want to get top dollar, I think you're vacuuming the car. <laughs> like you're cleaning it right before the people show up or you bring it to the dealership. The same thing applies with the house. And I'm just curious, what about home renovations? Some people are do-it-yourself DIY home renovation people. Growing up, my father always loved renovating the property, and but he didn't wasn't the best. He he was good at starting projects, but he wasn't the best at finishing them. Like he would start one project and then get bored of it and move on to the next project. And then my mother would always yell at him because the kitchen is torn apart and he didn't even finish that project. Now he's working on the basement. So just curious, what if you're in the middle of doing home renovations, what advice do you have to somebody that is getting an appraisal done on, on the property? Is it better just to wait until the home rentals are done? What is the best way to handle that? Yeah, it's either better to get it appraised before you start the reno or finish the reno. It's always a, a challenge for the mortgage wrap from my personal experience, getting the lender to wrap their head around lending more money on a house that's not finished. If the reno started, especially if it's a kitchen or a bathroom. If we're talking about some baseboards, that's not as big a deal, right? A little bit of baseboard, a little bit of trim work. But when the ba a bathroom is ripped up or a kitchen is ripped out, that's a that that's often a showstopper. I mean, you're in the mortgage racket, right, Sean? So, like, yes. have you experienced something similar? Well, not myself, but I, I certainly recommend to my clients that. As you mentioned, don't be in the middle of doing renovations either. Do the appraisal before or after the renovations have, have been completed because lenders don't want the property to be in the middle of, of, of being worked on. They'd rather have it either at the beginning or at, at the end. So that's kind of the general advice that I give to my clients. Right. Yeah. I'm on the same page with you there, man. <laughs> Great. And I understand for speaking earlier that you have plenty of years experience in the mortgage industry. So just from your experiences working with clients on appraisals over the years, you mentioned tips earlier, but did you have any stories or anything else that you wanted to share just from things that you've seen in the past that maybe led to issues with the appraisal and, and lessons learned from that? Yeah. I, I mean, there's so many, Sean, like one to start anyway, that jumps to mind. And, and that has, it's related to basement apartments. I I just remember, uh, and, and this happened quite often over the years, but like people would finish their basements, they would create a basement apartment, they'd start renting it out, and then for whatever reason, they decide they needed to refi maybe the debt that they incurred from fixing up the basement. So they, you know, they did, had a renovation, they put it on a line of credit and thought, geez, mortgage rates are, are low now, so I'm going to refi this and just have one payment. The challenge arises when they didn't bother getting permits. They need the rent in order to qualify for the new mortgage that they want to get because their debt to income ratios are out of whack otherwise. And then a search gets done or the appraiser goes out. They say, well, geez, this house is, doesn't show that it's got a registered secondary unit. So I have to appraise it as if it's a single family residential. I can't count any rent. 
and then the people are having to go towards a, a higher risk loan as a result. Where I'm going with this is if you want to put in a basement apartment, you should do it right and you should get it checked out through the city, get the building permit that you need and just get it done. And so for these folks, they ended up having to get the city inspector in. They had to put in a special egress window and do a couple other things and it cost them a few thousand dollars and it was just this four to eight, I can't remember, I think it was like six weeks of back and forth with the city people to get them back so then they could fund their deal. So that was one, that's just one example. It's always a good idea to tell your appraiser if you've got a big dog and you're not going to be at home, but you leave the lockbox there for them to just come in. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't think that could be fun to be mauled by a, a dog. Like my, no, my no. father worked for Canada Post before he retired a few years ago, and he, he told me a story that he was dropping off mail and some guard dog went running at him and he like luckily closed the door at the last second, but he could have been mauled by a dog. So I, I'm sure appraisers don't like being mauled by dogs either. Yeah. I mean, and then just some other basic stuff, like as a, as somebody that was in the mortgage business, I knew that in order for the appraiser to do a, a great job for me and for my clients, they needed to get all the information about their job, like the job that they had to go do up front. Uh, so if you want, if you know, you had tight time frames, you better give them all the information about the job. So there isn't this back and forth and there, and that way you're not missing deadlines. You want to be forthcoming, honest. Certainly if somebody catches you lying, they're not going to help you. That's for sure. And uh, they're more likely to dig their heels in. One thing that's changed uh, quite a bit over the years is something called market rents or a market rent report. And I know we had talked about this when we were chatting about getting on this call. Yes. Back in the day when I was brokering, you could just call an appraiser and say, hey, you know, uh, Bob, can you, can you get me a letter that confirms the rent for a house at, at, like this? You give me the address or her the address and they would send you like a, a three-liner or two or three paragraph letter that just says uh, this property should get X amount of rent. But there was no backup. There was no backup information. Today, with the way the mortgages are underwritten by the lenders and the requirements from OSFI, the lenders have to demonstrate that this rent for either that basement unit or for a, another property on the mortgage application, but not the subject property, that the rent that was put on the application is real. And they can't just rely on a lease agreement provided by the, the applicant. They want a, a professional appraiser to give them the estimated market rents for that other house. What the appraisers have to do today is like a, essentially a full appraisal report, but for market rent purposes. So they have to find comparable properties, figure out either rent per square foot or per unit or some, some other term or some set of criteria. And then they can build out the appraisal for you, for your purpose, for the, for the market rents. What surprises a lot of people is, you know, in the past, that might be a $75 letter, $50 for that letter. Today, it's three, four, five hundred dollars $500. Well, it's like a full appraisal. That's it. That's right. So it's a full report. If you're buying a house and there's a, a unit in the basement, they'll often put a market rent addendum instead of it being a full extra three, four hundred dollars for a full report, it's it's an extra couple hundred dollars. 
But if it's on a building that is not being appraised for its market value, but simply its market rents, then you're paying as if it's essentially a, a standalone appraisal report. Great. I'm so glad you brought that up. That was going to be one of my questions for you. Maybe briefly, you could just explain what market rents are and, and how they work in terms of the mortgage process. Why would somebody use market rents and how is that used by the lender exactly? If you could just briefly explain that. Sure. Well, I think the, the main thing the lender's trying to do is ensure that the rent stated uh, on an application makes sense and that they can rely on it for their underwriting purposes when they're going to provide an approval and then fund the deal. Sometimes the, the rent that someone is getting is actually above market rent and they'll want to use the market rent because if that tenant leaves, then the, the landlord's going to probably be stuck at a lower rate. More often than not, they're just trying to confirm if that rent is realistic. That's been stated on the application and that may be showing on like a lease agreement or on a, a, a person's tax returns. That's the main reason. They just want to know if, if they can rely on that number for their underwriting purposes. So that's, that's why they do it. Great. Thanks so much for explaining that. And I just had one final question for you. This, most of the listeners are investing in residential real estate, but I just thought it'd be interesting to briefly touch on commercial real estate as well. So Chris, could you talk about the difference between getting an appraisal done on a residential property versus a commercial property? I would imagine the commercial property, they would look at the business income you could earn from that. But yeah, just be interested to hear the difference in, in those two appraisals there. Sure, absolutely. First off, one of, the, one of the main differences is the price. So a lot of people who step into the commercial property market for investment from the residential space, they get sticker shock because it, normally you're adding a zero or it's like five, six times the, regu- the, the cost that they're used to. So a couple thousand dollars is not unusual for a small commercial property, all right? And it's essentially, it's just a cost difference most people aren't prepared for. But once you get past that, the differences occur because commercial properties are more differentiated from one another compared to residential. You know how you see subdivisions of residential properties, Sean? Yes. Well, you don't really see that in the commercial space, do you? No, not really. (laughs) Yeah, so as a result, you can just imagine there's a lot more research that goes into doing a commercial appraisal report. They take more time. The other thing that is different with these approaches to value generally is that there's the income approach to value, the cost approach, and then the direct comparison approach to value. In a commercial report, the appraiser is often doing all three. In a residential report, they're often only doing the direct comparison approach. Sometimes it'll be the direct comparison and the cost approach. So there's more triangulation to figure out a value as well. So that's another thing. And then it also requires appraisers with the AACI designation. These are people who can appraise all properties, including farms, multi-unit apartment buildings, corner stores, shopping malls, commercial office towers, you name it. Those folks, they charge more money. They do normally something or create something called a narrative appraisal report. So it reads more like a book as opposed to a form that you might normally see for a small residential building. The reports themselves are often 
50 to 100 pages long versus 15. So those are, I think those are the main differences, Sean, like I, without going into too much detail, just, you know, tell your, I think for your listeners who are thinking they may want to dabble in the small commercial space, like maybe buying a corner store or a, a building with a storefront in the bottom and two or three or five apartments above, they just need to be aware of that. These, they cost more money. They take three weeks often to turn around. Sometimes they only take a couple weeks, but often three weeks is normal. And there's um, a lot more work that tend to go into each one. Great. Thanks for explaining that so clearly. So definitely if you're buying a commercial property, probably not a good idea to choose a quick close or something like that. Definitely leave the appraiser <laughs> plenty of, of time to do the, the work that needs to be done. Yeah, you got that right. (laughs) Great. Well, Chris, it's been wonderful having you on the show today. Before I let you go, is there anything of interest that you're working on that you'd like to share with our listeners? Yeah, two things. The first one is our, our homeowner inspection app. We're trying to make it easier for homeowners to provide pictures to appraisers to do their job. And we're almost done with that. But essentially, it's a really, really slick simple app that you can download from uh, the Apple store or Google play store that allows you to take pictures very quickly and send them to uh, the appraiser. That's something really cool that we're working on. The second thing that uh, we're working on is an affiliate website. It's called separate.com. And this is a specific tool for people who are thinking of or getting divorced who need to get a valuation by an independent appraiser in order to move ahead with, you know, their separation or their divorce. I mean, it happens to a lot of people, unfortunately, and we're just trying to make it easy for people to get the information. So there isn't a lot of back and forth. And just, just for your listeners, our company value connect works with people buying and refinancing and and those that are getting divorced anywhere in Canada. And uh, you can order reports right from our website, which is value connect. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Burn Your Mortgage podcast. Besides being a podcast host, I'm also an independent mortgage broker. If you or anyone you know, family, friends, co-workers, or neighbors could ever use any unbiased mortgage advice or a second opinion, feel free to reach out. Email me at sean, that's S. E-A-N at burnyourmortgage.ca or call or text me at 647-867-3711 for a free mortgage consultation. Also, be sure to head on over to www.burnyourmortgage.ca and sign up for my free weekly newsletter. As a small token of my appreciation, you'll be able to download my ultimate mortgage checklist on choosing the perfect mortgage. I look forward to hearing from you and helping you with all your mortgage needs. Once again, thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Burn Your Mortgage Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes and leave a rating. Until next time, happy mortgage burning.